Across the UK, Overnights with Martin Kellner. There is a place I'd give the world to see Where the music's softly playing And the rhythm's gently swaying Underneath the stars in a million bars Guitars are softly saying Mexico so yeah, high time we uh, linked up with our good friend uh, John Bonfilio in Campeche in uh, Mexico. Uh, John, thanks uh, ever so much for joining us. Happy Good Friday from over here. Yes, well, it's still Good Friday. We've, we've done Good Friday here, but where you are, still Good Friday. Uh, and uh, a very important uh, day as far as the uh, calendar in Mexico goes. Yeah, Good Friday is one of those days that Mexico absolutely rings dry. Uh, gets every little last drop of, of juice from all across Mexico today. We've seen processions and reenactments today. If, if, you, if you're the kind of individual who has an interest in watching bearded, semi-naked men carrying <laughs> oversized bits of wood, then you need to be in Mexico on Good Friday. This is This is your day. The devout, the faithful are out on the streets, are in the churches, and, and not just in a standard way. I mean, there's also um, some pretty, uh, I guess, surprising, unusual manifestations of uh, devoutness today, which actually represent themselves in you know, what has to be called uh, instances of torture. I mean, not just uh, public displays of ridicule, which you'd kind of expect a little bit as well, and lots of praying and so on, but there are uh, physical displays in which people, especially in, uh, in the center of the country, the, the penitents in, uh, in Guernavaca and in Tasco, the penitentes, they demonstrate their faith. They build up to this point in the year to demonstrate their faith by inflicting physical pain on themselves, whether that's mm. walking through the streets, whipping themselves and drawing blood or, or carrying crosses with big nails, uh, stuck out of them. And, and because of the, the, the pain and the difficulty of carrying these crosses, these nails gouge bits of flesh out of the individuals, and it's seen as part of the devoutness to be physically bleeding as you walk through the streets. So it's, it's definitely a very uh, physical, visceral, mm. almost you know, literally visceral uh, display of faith, which happens, which happens today. Luckily, in a couple of days, he rises again, and then everything's plain sailing. So, but today is the yeah. day where pain is manifest. Wow. I mean, it's always difficult to, you know, if you're not a religious person to uh, come to terms with what other people do in the name of religion. And I suppose it's not our place um, as other atheists or agnostics or, you know, people for whom the jury is still out um, to, uh, you know, to, to take a view on that. It's uh, as you say, it's, it's what happens over here. We eat chocolate eggs. That's, that's, yep. the, that's uh, the I, had, key I had a number of questions. I had a number of questions today about rabbits. Uh, yeah. what, what does the rabbit have to do? I mean, in much the same way, you know, as you could see, obviously cultural manifestations of lots of different things internationally and even mm. within countries. But, you know, there was definitely I got a number of quizzical looks today relating to eggs and bunnies and tra traditions in the Anglo-Saxon world. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Uh, let's move on to sports. I'm still, we're going to do the hippos shortly, but we'll move on to sport uh, first of all. And uh, Napoli, what a season they're having. It looks like uh, they're going to win their first uh, Italian title since the golden days of uh, Maradona. Uh, also, you know, we've got a chance of winning the Champions League as well. And uh, Argentina has uh, solidly, and I presume this is a Maradona thing, they've solidly got behind Napoli. You're absolutely right. It is it is a Maradona thing. Um, I mean, what a year for football Argentina is is happening, and it seems to continue because everybody. I mean, I I don't know anybody in Argentina that I've spoken to who doesn't fervently support Napoli because of uh, Diego Armando Maradona. I mean, the stadium, of course, in in Naples is called that as well. Uh, it is all Neapolitans, Neapolitans, but also all Argentines that are fervently looking forward uh, to this occurring and to the end of the season and having a massive party on, uh, on on June the 4th. I think one of the things that's really interesting about Maradona, and of course it was during Maradona's time with Naples that they won their two, their only two previous Scudettos in 1987 and 1990, is that um, it, it's almost what we all want for our football teams, right? Maradona didn't just play for Naples. He loved Naples. He adored Naples. He understood that in an Italian context, uh, Naples and Neapolitans in the football side are outsiders. They're at the lowest rung of, of society. And for him, playing for Naples was a social cause. And that's why there is that much love and admiration for him in return and why there is so much of Naples is festooned in uh, Maradona um, iconography, if you like. And that also is returned in Argentina in terms of uh, people, that whole nation uh, that look consistently for any you know, remnants of anything to cling on to in terms of Maradona. Naples is the big, the big live thing at the moment that they can get behind. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, uh, unusual to find uh, England beating Brazil, especially beating Brazil on a penalty shootout. Um, but uh, the uh, Lionesses did just that in the finalissima. Um, what's been the reaction in Brazil to actually losing on a penalty shootout uh, to an England team? Yeah, well, surprisingly, overwhelmingly uh, positive. And, and Andresa Alves has said that England are the best team in the world. And if, you, if you compare it to the, to the men's side, I mean, of course, you'd think, well, uh, England getting a draw is, is a really good result. But actually, the Brazilians coming back from 1-0 down and scoring you know, in the dying throws of the game, um, they, they generally regard themselves as having really been able to compete amongst the best and setting themselves up for, for the World Cup. South America, and look, it's worth saying, of course, because of this final, the reason why Brazil were there was because they won the Copa America, um, but, and they actually didn't concede a goal through the entire tournament. But South American women's football is consistently improving, but it is not uh, the, the Euros at the moment. So what this result, what, what, uh, how the, the Brazilian women played in the second half and this result, even though they lost on penalties, has engendered significant belief in the country and amongst the women that actually this is, could be, the World Cup just a few months away, very much the start of something for them. Mm, absolutely. Um, now, before we go on to hippos, some, we're going to talk about hippos in a sec, but we have a musical um, illustration. One of our uh, one of our listeners has sent us, uh, Mark, who was it who sent us this? I, I can't find the name here, but one of 
I think it might have been anonymous, was it? I believe it was one of our listeners uh, across the other side of the world. I can't remember if it was in Australia or uh, New Zealand. Um, ooh, I should find it. It was on Twitter, I think. Yeah, it was it. on Twitter. I'll find it in a sec. But anyway, uh, a listener has sent us this uh, illustrative music. <laughs> Well, I I have heard that uh, I have heard that wow. before. It was somebody doing a sort of Shirley Temple type thing. Uh, I can't remember who did it, but I have heard uh, someone do that before. Uh, and uh, I think it was it Jeff who sent us that. It was Jeff Coe. Yeah, what a banger! Jeff Coe. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's, that's going on my playlist. Is it? I've, <laughs> I, I I played that one Christmas, and I can't remember the name of the person who did it, but I'm sure Jeff knows because we're about to talk uh, hippopotamuses. Uh, John, just uh, just sort of uh, bring us up to speed on this uh, hippopotamus story. I know we've mentioned it last week, week before, but um, brings up to speed again. Yeah, so just just in brief, um, Pablo Escobar, big uh, cartel kingpin in the 80s and, and the 90s, had a thing for for exotic animals, and he he imported a number of of hippos then we know about the the descent you know the end of escobar these hippos were left alone they escaped they made their home in medellin and the nearby magdalena river and started to procreate to the extent that there are an estimated between 150 and 200 now and they're causing a whole heap of environmental <laughs> problems and the government has you know attempted to cull them and and so on and various other um sterilize them castrate them various other remedies but then the most recent story is that half of these hippos are actually going to be removed they're going to be exported in the first instance 70 of them are going to be taken to uh, to mexico it turns out to sinaloa and another sorry yeah 10 to sinaloa and 60 um, to india and during the course of the last couple of weeks i've been looking into this a little bit more because it the way it was presented was that there's a number of different multiple actors agents that are involved in moving these hippos but then i found this amazing individual called ernesto sasueta from sinaloa who is the director of the ostok sanctuary who's rescued huge numbers of wild animals in particular about 10 years ago when circus animals were banned in mexico a lot of um, tigers bears elephants were almost just released onto the street and then ernesto sasueta came in and took a number of them to his sanctuary and this man this individual is at the center of actually moving all of these hippos out of Colombia and to different countries. Right. Well, let's have a word with uh, Ernesto Zazueta, uh, who I believe is on the line now. Ernesto, thank you ever so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Ernesto. <laughs> uh-huh. There you are. Well, let me uh, ask the question. Tell me how you first got involved with uh, Pablo Escobar's hippos. <laughs> well, uh, for, I have uh, about uh, 10 years of cure and rehabilitation exotic animals and wildlife animals from all over here in Mexico. And about three, four years ago, uh, 
kind of the he pulls now and in uh, danger because he's uh they uh they put it in danger because they can um shooting or whatever so yeah. we are trying to uh, the people from colombia now it's in the status uh um uh, uh, in species then then we anybody can take it and make everything with them so now yeah. the hippopotamus are endangered species and uh it's for the astral center he wants to rescue i'm i'm working for a for a big uh, lake right here in uh sanctuary and i'm gonna bring it up here and i'm gonna take it some to la india and a big rescue center over there but it's just Brilliant. because we are looking for his welfare i like the animals well that's uh that's certainly good work and uh um, and congratulations on using English as a second language and still managing to say invasive species, which, uh, which, which is the key. It's the key issue, isn't it? Invasive species. Just uh, to thank you ever so much for joining us, Ernesto. Appreciate that. Um, but an important point before we leave this story, John, is that uh, Sinaloa, where this uh, sanctuary is, this Ostok sanctuary, um, it's... Uh, it's a good news story for them because they're so used to the bad news stories of the cartels, etc. Very much so. I mean, in an international news cycle, we generally hear about when we hear about Sinaloa, it's related to the Sinaloa cartel and the Chapo Guzman. So actually, one of the things that Ernesto speaks very eloquently about is about the, the fact that this story, this incredible news story of the moving of the hippos to the Ostok century can actually reframe, has the opportunity to reframe Sinaloa a little bit and to present, you know, the very wide diversity of, of people and work and things that, that exist there. So all in all, definitely a, a story, an incredible story of hippos, but also a story which goes well beyond that in terms of, you know, the social good that it can bring. Yeah, absolutely. Just one question that occurs to me is that, you know, they're breeding, as we said, they're breeding like rabbits, like very big rabbits. So they're, you know, they're multiplying. Um, I'm just thinking, presumably one mounts the other, one gets on the back of another hippo. Martin! Um, well, I'm just, I'm just, imagine, people will be, I won't be alone in this, people will be thinking, what does that look like? Because, you know, well, that... I mean, they're mammals. I mean, they're mammals, yeah. And once again, but I'm just thinking of how noisy it's going to be. I can imagine the, the squelching and, the, you know, you can see the damage it would do to the landscape, flattening great areas of grass. Um... I'm just trying to imagine two hippos, um, but presumably this is going on all over the... I mean, I think it's a, it, it's a legitimate inquiry, isn't it, Mark? Well, I, I suppose. Think, I'm, I'm giggling yes. like a naughty child at the back of a yes. biology lesson here. Well, oh, do, indeed. I do, I, do I have to answer this question? <laughs> well, have you seen, have you witnessed hippos? Have you got any footage, John? No. <laughs> I, I haven't. I don't know if Ernesto is still on the line to be able to comment on this. Yeah. Well... How noisy, Ernesto? Yeah. How noisy is hippo reproduction? The hippo reproduction, how how easy is it, or what do you say? Yeah, how how is it, and how noisy is it? Oh, I want the hippos reproduce because I think it's 
it's an endangered species, and we can do something for them. And maybe in Colombia it's not good, but there are free. But here in Ostok, Santo Ricomani, in a big place, but it's not a free hippos. Yeah. Okay, Ernesto, thanks ever so much. We're probably not going to get an answer on that immediately, but if anybody out there has ever witnessed hippos making love, do get in touch with us and let us know what it's like. Uh, 810, what it looks like. Send us a clip. 81089, uh, if you want to text us on that. If you want to um, tweet me, it's at Martin Kellner, at TalkSport. If you want to phone us, 03717 Um We're going to move on from 